MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You ready to check your feelings at the door? Check it out. Check it out. This is Am I Reister or Am I Wrong? We're bringing you facts and only the truth. Now, Am I Reister or Am I Wrong? The college football coaching carousel has caused a major fallout. And Brian Kelly, the way he left, ended up sparking a conversation with my former teammate, Joey Harrington, about how Bobby Petrino left the Atlanta Falcons. Boy, you do not want to miss this interview here. And also, the Steph Curry hate has to stop, even though Ralph's happy that his Phoenix Suns beat them the other night. I'm George Reister. He's Ralph Amson. And this is Reister or Wrong, the intersection where sports, business, society, and pop culture meet the truth. Absolute fire on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Facts only. Make sure you check your feelings at the door because no BS is allowed. We keep it 100. So, Ralph. Oh, and of course, you guys, leave a five-star rating wherever you listen to podcasts. Shoot us an email, I'm mad at unafraidshow.com, or hit us up by text, 818-293-7547. So, Ralph, we will start college football coaching carousel. And people have talked about this from, oh, what does this mean for LSU? What does this mean for this team? What is this? And I'm like, bro, we got to talk about this from a different angle of like when you look at what Brian Kelly and what Lincoln Riley did where they left their teams and Brian Kelly, while they're still in the playoff hunt, I think that's slimy, but bigger than, but bigger than all of that is just the fact that, that they tried to tell us, Oh, this came together so quickly. We, we, we talked Saturday night, Sunday morning, and then it was a done deal. And I'm like, bro, these you you don't pick up and leave a, a you know a seven million dollar, eight million dollar job. You just finished building a house if you're Lincoln Riley. You don't leave your family. You don't leave all of that stuff with thirty seconds or ten seconds, like it's the movie Heat. This was a grooming. This was a courtship that went on for months. You think USC just offered him the job? They've they've had a coaching vacancy for three months. 
uh, LSU's had a coaching vacancy for two months, and you think that this is the first time that there have been a conversation and this is when they got the details ironed out? Hell no, Ralph. Do you think USC was in negotiations with more than just Lincoln Riley? You think they were trying to figure out things with Brian Kelly's agent, a few other people? And like, do you think they had multiple irons in the fire? Or do you yeah. think USC just went out there? Tar- yeah, that, 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 that's how I feel, too. That's yeah, feel they too. they were gauging to see where they could fit in. It's it's just like a guy who's dating and he's not interested in a relationship. If he's interested in sex, he's not trying to build a relationship. He's like, where can I get in? Where is there an in at? And then we'll work from from there. And once USC found out that there was an in with with Lincoln Riley, oh, they were like, hey, yo, I, I, I told you that it was like a uh, uh, because Mike Bone, the athletic director at USC, tried to hire him when he was at Cincinnati prior to hiring Luke Fickle. But then you had Bob Stoop step down and then Lincoln Riley got the job. And then, you know, he hit him up like, hey, big head, I, I, I hope your season's going going well. Good luck with your coaching search. Good luck with your coaching search. And then he hit him up. Yo, how, how's your coaching search doing? If you need anything from me, let me know, Ralph. Let me know. And then all of a sudden, they end up kissing. Do you believe Lincoln Riley when he says the first time that he actually spoke to USC was that Sunday morning that he took the job? Mm, he's a master playing on words, right? Um, so I would say the answer to that is probably yes, that the first time that he actually spoke to them, but he may have been on zoom calls where he didn't speak, where he just got a tour, where he got an understanding of what was going on because he didn't walk in there sight unseen. He's seen the weight room. Right. He's seen the locker room. He's seen all that way he can demand the upgrades that he wants. He didn't walk in there sight, un, sight unseen. Nobody believes that. I Oklahoma's never been left before. They've never been left like this. Ever. Not like this. They're mad. And they're big mad. They're like spurned woman, spurned man mad as they should be um it it happens i honestly like it it happens it, it maybe it doesn't happen to you but it <laughs> did now and you gotta adjust you gotta yep. you gotta move on like that you're the one that made changes you're the one that made changes you're in a long-term relationship with somebody and they're like i'm moving to new york you're like but i like cleveland she's like well i don't like cleveland i'm moving to new york like, <laughs> you're moving and you're you're right you're moving you are to moving new to new york, york. Yeah. yeah, And so, you know, it, it, uh, some of that's understandable to me. Um, there's a lot of people saying he had one foot out the door with the way that he was recruiting California. But you and I know that that's not necessarily the case. They offered 17 and 18 players uh, in the two years before the pandemic. And in the two years that we've been in the pandemic, they've offered a total of 14. So they actually recruited California less did they have success in California? Yeah, that comes with winning Heisman's and being in the college football playoff discussion. Everybody wants to play for somebody who is always on television and always getting talked about and getting everybody stats and getting everybody drafted. Kyler Murray was a number one overall pick. Baker Mayfield was a number one overall pick. They had like five O-linemen picked in one draft one time. Like they're... They, of course, people want to play at Oklahoma. Of course, they don't care that it's in Norman. Yep. Lincoln Riley, if he was putting up those stats in Anchorage, Alaska, guess where those kids would have been? Anchorage, Alaska. Flying, yeah, flying right into Juneau or wherever else that you can fly into <laughs> right. on your on that, your uh, on your prop plane, and they would get or there. getting on a D- Disney cruise and getting off at that stop and never getting back <laughs> on the boat. Yep. You know, and so it, 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 they will go where you can get them where they ultimately want to go, um, which is to the NFL. And so if and, and a lot of these California kids don't want to leave California. Correct. They don't want to leave California. The and weather's say, nice like, well, out here. Why, man. Yeah. Well, why do they? Um, 
you know, you could leave California by just going from like LA to Palo Alto. Like your to whatever your experience of California is. There's a yeah. reason so many Inland Empire kids have success in Tempe because it Inland Empire is like Tempe. basically Arizona. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like the California is so different in so many parts. Yeah, because you, you can be from get a rural away. part of California. You can be from a rural uh cowboy uh farming town. You can be from Bakersfield. You can be no, from Vita Vea. Yep. Yeah, and but, but it's like, a totally at, different experience depending on what your zip code is in California. Oh, for sure. They'll be like, oh, these guys need to stay home like Reggie Bush. Reggie Bush left home. He left. San Diego I, and L.A. are not the same. They're no, not. No. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, the same day. It's like how saying did you that, feel? That, that somebody stayed home if they lived in Georgia and went to Alabama. Same distance. Yep. Uh, how did you feel about the moves itself? Because I thought that Brian Kelly's move was kind of slimy because his team was still in the playoffs. And yesterday on Dan Patrick, he was asked, well, if your team was ranked number three or four in the playoff, would you still have taken this job? Do you know what this fool's answer was? What? I don't know. I don't know. I can't, you know, forecast because that's not the situation now. And I'm like, bro, you would have left your team in the middle of a playoff run. You don't know, bro. You are a slime ball for that. These kids work their ass off for you. Granted, it's for themselves too. the their their interest aligned, but they signed up for you and you would leave. Bro, there's nothing more creepy and more slimy than than that. And especially if all the things necessary happen this weekend that would put Notre Dame in number three or number four, and he's gone, and then the committee's like, mm, nah, they don't have their head coach. That's gross, Ralph. Because they will do that. They will do that. Like, Notre Dame, based on how everything shakes out this weekend, could be in line to just jump up into one of those top four spots. And the committee could say, ah, they don't have their coach, so they probably won't put on the best show, so we're going to leave them out. They have every right to do that. How mad they would you be if you were a parent of- or a kid? Oof. If I thought if I thought that Brian Kelly cost my oh, – oh, he wouldn't want to see me. He wouldn't want to see me. Ah, but here's the thing with Brian Kelly. I'm not bothered by it. He didn't want to be there, and I'm big on be where you want to be, right? There are Notre Dame fans, and Notre Dame means absolutely nothing to me, nothing. You would think that they would because, you know, I like the Atlanta Braves because they were available, you know, when I was a kid, and so was Notre Dame. You could watch any Notre Dame uh, game. I just, it was never enjoyable. <laughs> like eight fullbacks and uh, play in Michigan, and it would just, I, I like Pac-12 football. Right. Um, obviously, they've evolved over time. They have had great offenses. They, they do fantastic things and they produce great players. I don't not like Notre Dame, but they just don't mean anything to me. So when I look at Brian Kelly leaving Notre Dame for LSU, I'm like, oh, we're going to find out the truth about this program and that coach. Interesting. You know, but if I'm on that team and my head coach bails on me at the end of the season. I don't have to ever respect him again. And if I'm a Notre Dame fan, I might be thankful, to be honest, because nobody liked that guy anyway. Nobody liked him. Nobody was like, well, God, and I now can't wait to go his, to Notre Dame to play for Brian Kelly. It was, I want to go to Notre Dame where Brian Kelly's the coach. Dude, he may not get any of his assistant coaches to come with him, which is a very telling stat. That really shows what people really think about you and how they feel about you when they don't come work for you somewhere else. They're like, nah, we'll stay put where we where 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 we are at the backhand, you know, lower tier program because you left to go somewhere else. But we'll stay, we'll stay here. But it was the note that this dude left. Well, sorry, it what what was it a note? It was the Bobby Petrino note, but it was the the text message that he sent to his players. This dude sent a text message to his players saying, 
Um, men, let me first apologize for the late night text and more importantly, for not being able to share the news with you in person that I will be leaving Notre Dame. I'm flying back to South Bend tonight to be able to meet with you in the morning, but the news broke late today and I'm so sorry you found out through social media or news reports. I will have more to share when we meet tomorrow at 7 a.m. But for now, just know, Ralph, my, my love for you is limitless and I'm so proud of all that you've accomplished. Your love is not limitless. It, you clearly showed there's a limit. But anyways, uh, our program, yeah, yeah. Our, our program is elite. It's not ours. You left. It's ours. It's mine uh, because of your hard work and commitment. And that will continue. I will share more in the morning when we meet. Again, my sincere apologies for not being able to be the one to share the news with you directly, Coach Kelly. He was on the road recruiting, Ralph, for Notre Dame. Actually, he was recruiting for LSU, my bad, in a Notre Dame jersey. Um, But or that was cover the recruiting for him to go be able to meet people in person. Hmm. Willie Taggart 2.0. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. 
old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And then that led me to have to talk to my former teammate, Joey Harrington, about what happened when he was with the Atlanta Falcons when Bobby Petrino walked out the door in the middle of the season and had Arthur Blank up there looking like an idiot on Monday Night Football in 2007 when he left and went to Arkansas. So here is Joey Harrington and my interview with him. And now we are joined by Joey Harrington. Find him on Twitter at Joey3Harrington, former Oregon Duck and Atlanta Falcons quarterback, um, drafted by the Detroit Lions in the number three at the number three spot in the first round of 2002. Joey, thanks for coming on the show. My pleasure. I noticed you went straight to the Atlanta Falcons. Like most people, like you, you, you go to Detroit and then you go to Miami, but you jumped straight to Atlanta. That's uh, an interesting uh, connection you made there, George. <laughs> well, well, I, I went to Atlanta because that's part of the thing I wanted to talk to you about today. But, um, but there's been a lot of movement around college football. And when we were at Oregon, because if you guys don't, don't know, that's my quarterback. Um, <laughs> that I remember when coach Bilotti was thinking about taking the USC job and he didn't take it. And that kind of created an uneasy feeling in the locker room, but at least it was over quickly. Like what do what do you remember about that particular time? You know, I I think that the, the key was that it was over quickly. Right. It was it wasn't something that was drawn out. The, you, you know, I can't tell you how many times to say, well, you know, this was a time when there wasn't social media. But th- the reason for saying that is you didn't have the constant stream of information. Right. It wasn't coming at you 24 seven. It wasn't coming from, you know, so and so saw an airplane and saw, you know, a report of him going. I mean, all the stuff of uh, that's, you know, tracking people's planes and doing all sorts of crazy stuff like that information is constantly being fed to players. Now, when we were playing, we were doing just that. We we're going to school. We we're going we're we're going to practice. We're coming back. We're going to our meetings. And then in the newspaper one day. There's a, a report that this might happen. Okay. The next day he says it didn't happen, and now you move on, right? It wasn't this drawn-out process where you were constantly being fed information from different sources, so you had to sit and stew on it. It was um, – I don't want to say it wasn't impactful because I do remember it, but I don't remember it being a big deal because yeah. it happened so quickly. It, it was, all right, I considered the job. They made me an offer. And I said, no, let's move on. Um, and, and that's not what today's coaching carousel has become. I mean, it has truly become like a, I don't know. I don't know, I don't know how else to describe it other than just a mess. I mean, we got, we got situations where people, you know, schools are, paying off or buying two homes, if I'm reading this correctly, that yes. USC bought two of Lincoln Riley's homes plus in, in Oklahoma, plus they bought him a new house in L.A., plus they're paying him like, you know, what, what was it, however many million a year? I mean, Nine and a half. It, my like it's, it, it's crazy. And it truly is crazy to see the point that things have, uh, have gotten to. But, you know, I, I don't want to sound like the guy, you know, that, that walked uphill both ways to school in the snow and stuffed newspaper in my shoes. But, you know, it, it wasn't that way when we were playing. You got the, you got the newspaper article that says Coach Bilotti uh, got an offer from USC. He listened to it. He said, no, you move on. Let's get ready for the bowl game. Yeah, what what do you think about what's going on? What's happened for with Notre Dame with Brian Kelly going to LSU while they still have a chance to make the playoff? I think that's I think that that's gross. And then you have Lincoln Riley leaving Oklahoma with the early signing period, and their recruiting class is going to fall apart. What what do you think about what's going on right now? Um. Look, I, I I don't have a problem, or I should say I, I'm I'm not as bothered by what Lincoln 
Riley did. I mean, recruiting classes fall apart all the time, right? That, that anytime a coach leaves, the recruits are going to decommit. Recruits are going to try and follow the coach. I mean, that, that is the landscape of college football every single year, right? Schools can fire coaches and, and coaches have the opportunity to leave. The, issue if i'm going to have any issue right now is is with brian kelly leaving like you said they're they're in the thick of this playoff right it's not out of the realm of possibility that notre dame ends up in the playoff and now you end up in the playoff without a head coach i mean i get that there are certain opportunities that come around only once in a lifetime and and what was it 15 million a year for uh for brian kelly to go to lsu i think is what i saw i could be wrong on that but um i don't know it, there's going to be collateral damage right if you're going to choose to to pick up and move your family and pick up a, 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 and change schools and and make that that decision because that's what you're saying this is the best decision for me and my family there's going to be collateral damage no matter no matter what situation you're in whether it's a recruiting class whether it's you know the the players that are left you know holding the bag getting ready for the you know potential playoff um appearance i, I don't know i mean at the end of the day though it it truly is everybody needs to make the best decision for them and their families and um apparently brian kelly and lincoln riley did that yeah, and the 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 text message he sent his players, I was like, really? He said our he used the word our program, fool you gone, and and he said my love for you is limitless. No, that's not true. It, there's clearly a limit to it. And, <laughs> there's a limit, and, and and it ended last Monday. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, limit, limit, limitless. Right <laughs> would you would you had wanted to go to that seven a.m. meeting? Uh, yeah, yeah. To to uh, hear uh, what he had to say. Yeah, I I would have because um, I didn't get a seven a.m. meeting when Bobby Petrino up and left. Right there, there was no there was literally just a letter on the stool of our um, of our locker that said thanks but no thanks and i'm out um and so yeah there we we had a meeting with uh, with arthur blank and with rich mckay our gm the next day and and a lot of things were explained but i would have loved and i know a lot of people on our team would have loved to have a, an opportunity to hear from uh hear straight from bobby so yeah i would have gone to that 7 a.m brian kelly meeting so so that that was when you were with the Atlanta Falcons and Bobby Petrino picked up and left. Can can you explain? And, and you guys were on with Joey Harrington, former Oregon Duck, number three overall draft pick in 2002 by the Lions, played uh, other places as well, including the Atlanta Falcons. So that year when you were in Atlanta, can you explain the circumstances surrounding <laughs> what was going on that season when you come into the locker room and then Bobby Petrino has like not even a full sheet of paper, but like a partial like cutout <laughs> sheet of paper on everybody's chair? Like, hey, yo, I'm 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 out. I love you. Hope the best for you. It was like it was like you know when when kids in school graduate from you know just going like writing a sentence to writing a you know a couple sentences to writing a paragraph like that that was the that was the length like it was a it was a grade school paragraph. Um, how much time you got, George? Here, I mean, because I, is, I got it, is, I got it. Come on, okay. man, break it, break it so, down. So, so to understand like the whole context of this of this Bobby Petrino mess, you you have to understand who he was. Uh, as a person and, and how he operated within the locker room. Right. So, I mean, you got to remember this team, this was, this was a team of vets. This was a team of uh, Warwick Dunn, Algie Crumpler, Wayne Gandy, uh, John Abraham, L lawyer Malloy, um, D'Angelo Hall. Like, like these are guys that have, that have played, not just played a long time in the NFL, but have been, Pro Bowlers. Um, I mean, they they earned they earned their place in that locker room, and so my job was frankly to listen to them and to I don't know was to was to to gain as much wisdom as I could, right? And so we had started the season pretty slow, and guys were getting frustrated. 
because we would practice every, I mean, George, we would, I mean, our ready list, you know, coming into a game was like, was a mile long. And then we call like 10 plays. Bobby would get into like the same 10 plays they'd call over and over and over. And so the guy, those vets who knew what it was like to win and knew how to win in the, in the NFL started getting frustrated and said, why are we wasting all our time doing this stuff if we're only going to run certain things? We have become a jack of all trades and a master of none. Right? Uh, who are we as an offense? And so the Algae, I'll never forget this. Algae and Warwick came up to me and they said, "Hey, look, you got to go talk to Bobby. And here's what here's what's going on. Here's what the guys are saying. Um, you know, we got to get this fixed." I said, "All right, cool." So I went up and, and talked to Coach after practice that day, and I said, "Hey, you know, Coach Petrino, I want to just share some information. Just first of all, to say, look, I I completely understand what's going on here. You know, this is not a this is not an issue of of comprehension. This is a message that I'm sharing to you from from the guys on offense. They feel like there's too much stuff in our game plan, right? Well, we don't have the opportunity to practice these things enough to get really good at them. And so, you know, we have this great conversation. I think. You know, we start taking things out. All right, well, let's get rid of this. Let's get rid of this. Great. I go home, go to sleep, come back the next day, and Hugh Jackson and Bill and Bill Musgrave, uh, another great Oregon Duck, by the way, are sitting in the QB room. But Bill was our QB coach, and uh, he was our coordinator, and they're just like eyes just drooping. Like you could tell they didn't sleep at all. And Hugh says to me, he says, "Hey." Um, did you talk to Bobby yesterday? I was like, yeah, we had a great conversation. I mean, you know, we, I, I shared the concerns of, of Crump and, and Warwick and, you know, everybody, uh, how we had too much stuff in it, and they both just kind of dropped their head. I was like, why? What happened? He said, not only did Bobby re- in, you know, put back in everything that you just took out, but he came in to the offensive staff room and started screaming, like, why the hell doesn't that quarterback understand our offense? What the hell are you guys teaching him? And spent like 20 minutes just tearing him a new one. And then not only put everything back in, but then reinstalled twice as much stuff from what he had before. So Bill and, and Hugh were up all night putting all this new stuff into, into the game plan to get ready. So just that kind of story, that background story, is just to serve to, you know, some guys understand how to operate in the NFL. Some guys know how to have a man-to-man conversation with um, guys who have earned their place in the NFL, guys who've earned their place in the locker room to say, all right, I value your opinion, and we can have a conversation about this because, you know what, you've been in the trenches, and I respect that. Bobby wasn't that guy. Bobby was the guy who said, screw you. If you're, you know, if, if you're in my way, I'm going to do whatever I want. So, and, and I, and so I, I tell this, this part of the story from the knowledge of having Arthur Blank and Rich McKay come in the next day and share what had happened. So to kind of line out how this weekend went, it was on a Friday the the news or the stories were starting to leak that Bobby was going to be leaving to go back to college football. And we had a Monday night game that week. Yeah. And so, and so, and so Arthur blank met with Bobby on that Saturday and, and they talked, Arthur said he and he and Bobby talked for hours, you know, hours, just literally laying everything out. Because he had just brought, brought Petrino in just that year, right? That that was the that was the big splash, and and he was trying to, um, you know, to to get things back on track, and and he laid it all out for him. He said, Bobby, what do you want? Like, what what is going on? Like, what can I do to to help w- what you're feeling right now? And and Bobby literally laid out a list of said, this is who I want fired. This is who I want cut. This is who I want. You know, these are the changes that I need you to make. And he, he, he laid it all out there for him. And Arthur said, all right, let me think, let me think about it for the night. And they met again on Sunday and Arthur said, all right, I'm going to give you all the things that you're asking for, but I already have a, I have a a devoted segment. Monday night football has asked me to come on and, and talk about this. Uh, to address the rumors. So I'm going on national TV tomorrow. Now this is Sunday. I'm going to go on national TV tomorrow and they're going to ask me, what do I say to the country? And Bobby Petrino looked at Arthur Blank in the eye and he said, Arthur, you tell the country that you have a head coach in me. 
And so Arthur went on TV on that Monday. On that Monday, I remember night game. watching that. Uh huh. He went on and told the entire country, "No, Bobby is staying. He is committed to this organization." We went out and we got our tail cleaned. I mean, it was we lost. I think it was the Saints that night. It was like forty to ten or something. You know, one of those times where you just got punched in the jaw. And Bobby comes into the locker room. I'll never forget this. He stands in front of everybody in the middle of the locker room and he says, "Every every single one of you need to go at home, look at yourself in the mirror." and decide what you can do to help this organization get better. He turned around, he walked out the door, and I never saw him again. What? So that was a Monday. That was Monday night. So the following morning, all of the coaches, right? So it's a short week in the NFL. I mean, you don't you know, if you're playing on a Monday uh, Monday night, your Sunday game coming up, you're rolling right away, right? Yeah. So we had a late a late uh, arrival on that Tuesday, like, you know, let's call it 10 o'clock you know, ish somewhere in there. And all the coaches are upstairs at like 5 a.m. working. All the offensive coaches are just, just grinding. Hugh and, uh, and, and Musgrave and all, you know, uh, Terry Rubisky, they're all just grinding up there. Bobby's nowhere to be seen. Doesn't show up. So all his offensive coaches are there. We show up at, you know, whatever time it was. But, they, you know, and they, they're upstairs. We're down in the locker room. When we show up, we got this note that I don't even – I can't even remember. Uh, Steve Weiss posted a picture of it because he and I – he was working for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution then, and he and I were just sitting there at the locker like, oh, you've got to be kidding me reading this thing. It was like – like you said, George, it was like four sentences. You know, oh, I'm so saddened. You know, um, this is the best decision for my family, and I'm sure you can understand it, and I'm out. Peace. And so um, Bobby, so again, this, this is relayed from, from Rich McKay and, and Arthur, the meeting we had afterwards. He flew back. Like he was gone, right? Gone all day. Flew back in late that afternoon after we'd all kind of cleared out and went into Rich McKay's office and said, you know, I, I'm resigning. I quit. And he starts walking out the door. Rich gets up from behind the desk. <laughs> And pretty much, and, and I, I may be exaggerating, I may be embellishing a little bit. It's been, you know, what, 14 years now? But my recollection is he said that he grabbed him by the scruff of the neck, and he said, I don't care what you say to me, but you've got an entire coaching staff that's been downstairs working their ass off all day for you while you've been out there leaving them high and dry. So you don't need to say anything to me, but you need to go say something to them. He leads them down by the back of the neck into the offensive coaching room. He says three sentences. I wish things were di- I wish things were different. Thank you for your effort. I'm going to Arkansas. That night at 10 p.m., so that none of that national media could cover it, he was doing pig suey in in, uh, in Arkansas, and we were all just sitting there watching, like you got to be kidding me. Look at yourself in the mirror and decide what you can do to help this organization get better. Uh, and his answer was leave. His leave. answer was leave. <laughs> Man, bro, that is the wildest set of events. So, and I, I remember watching Arthur Blank at halftime because because we played on Sunday. So I remember watching him, and I was like, because I remember hearing the rumors, and I was like, okay, cool, he's staying. And then the next day, uh, for for us was a regular off day because it was a Tuesday. <laughs> like, dude is gone, really gone. Gone. Bro, I'm, I'm not kidding when I say he walked out of that locker room and we never saw him again. He just disappeared. So I'm so I'm assuming that Arthur Blank, uh, when when Bobby Petrino in, ended up getting fired from Arkansas after that, uh, that motorcycle in, incident that nobody on that team probably shed any tears. Look, I can't speak for other people, um, and I I will I will unequivocally say that I never wish ill on somebody else. But I will also say that I wasn't exactly crying that day when I saw <laughs> when I <laughs> that was one of those. Oh well, hey, well, <laughs> the, I guess the, what goes around comes around. It, exactly. Um, Joey, that is awesome. That's an awesome story, bro. That is, I mean, it's sad that you had to go through that, but boy, oh boy. Um, and before I let you, let you go, 
Um, you were obviously, you know, very highly sought after when it came to the draft. You were the number three overall pick. You were Heisman finalist, Joey Heisman, billboards out in New York City, everything. What What is it like for these guys like, you know, that are that are transitioning well that have transitioned out of college to the NFL now like you have you know Zach Wilson who's in the New York Mac Jones Justin Fields all of this what what is it like because I think that situations well in Trevor Lawrence and Jacksonville where situations factor more to a young quarterback's success than their talent say that again buddy um I missed that last piece. I'm sorry. Okay. You cut out there with Trevor Lawrence. Oh, that uh, – so you have – actually, I'll, I'll just ask the whole question again. Um, okay, okay. So, Joey, you obviously were the number three pick in the draft. You had so many highs. You have Heisman finalists, all, all of this. And now you look at some of the young guys that come into the league, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Mac Jones. And for, for me, I look at young quarterback success, highly drafted first-round guys, that it's more about their situation sometimes than it is their talent as it relates to them being successful. I think there's a <clears throat> there's there's a, there's a fine balance, right? Um, here's what I'll say, and you know this is this is a whole other show on on just this topic, but but we'll but we'll hit this before before we head out of here. There are well, when I was playing, everybody kept three quarterbacks, right? So 32 teams and three quarterbacks, call it 100 guys, 100 quarterbacks in the NFL that can make every single throw. That that at any single time, that's needed on an NFL field, right? Throw an 18-yard comeback, good. Throw a <clears throat> throw a skinny post, good. You know, throw a, a deep cross on the run, good, right? It's not a it's not a matter of physical skill. When you get to that point, so much of it is between your ears, and not necessarily intelligence but but confidence you know because uh, there are a hundred guys who can who can make these throws the difference between you know number one and number two and number three is minuscule but what happens is i mean you you know this league george it's a pressure cooker pressure cooker I mean, the, and especially with the expectations that are on young quarterbacks, it's, it's, frankly, it's, it's pretty, it's unrealistic in a lot of cases. So what happens, and, and what happened with me, is you get out there and you, start, you just start playing. You just start chucking it around. You just start having fun. And most of the time, it doesn't go well right away. Right, they're with rare exception, and so after you throw an interception or two, that's where it depends on what your situation is. Who's supporting you? Who's lifting you up? Who's telling you what you should, uh, how you should approach this next time? Who's giving you the grace to make that mistake? Who's saying, "Hey, you know what? It's all right. Keep throwing it. Keep throwing it. Keep throwing it because it's going to click." Because the guys that are in that situation, they got the support. They've got it between the ears because they have people helping. What happened to me and what happens to a lot of other guys that I've talked to is that you throw that pick and you get back to the, the uh, you get back to the film room, you get back to the quarterback room, and you re- look around and you realize that that they don't necessarily have your back, and that you're kind of out on an island, and maybe you were drafted by somebody else, by a different coach, or maybe you were drafted by a GM and they didn't, they didn't agree and you're not their guy. And so you make a mistake and all of a sudden it's, it, it's not blatant, but it's just kind of subtle and you feel it and you pick up on it and you second guess. And so the next time you throw that ball, you hesitate just a second. So instead of the first time the ball gets batted down, the second time you hesitate just a second and bam, then it's picked off. 
And then you come back again, and you're so scared to throw that ball that you just check it down. And now you've got into this rhythm of poor play on the field, which creates self-doubt, and self-doubt creates hesitation, and hesitation creates mistakes, and mistakes mistakes get you run out of the league, right? And so it's not it, – this isn't a – whether Mac Jones or Trevor Lawrence or – uh, Justin Fields, any of those guys, whether or not those guys have long-term success in the NFL is partially based on how you know their their skill set, but I would say is more so based on the situation they land, the support system they have in place, and the way in which they dip, they handle adversity. Right, because the key to any quarterback in the NFL is confidence. It is absolute confidence and if for one minute you hesitate and for one minute you doubt that's the one minute that you make a mistake that costs you the game and it's a fine line george you know it right it's truly you know for for, to be one of the 32 best people in the world at what you do it's a fine line between being on the top of the world and being on the bottom of the heap and somebody else taking your job Yep. No, you are 100% right about that. And Joey still owes me 100 bucks from 2002. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm trying to pay you, George. I've been trying to pay you for 20 years, all right? Just give me your Venmo. I'm going to get this nope. thing done. And <laughs> you nope. just want to hold it over my head. <laughs> yes, for forever. <laughs> um, you guys, he's Joey Harrington, former Oregon quarterback. That's my quarterback uh number three overall pick by the detroit lions played for the atlanta falcons the saints dolphins as well um you guys uh joey thank you for coming on i appreciate it man my pleasure buddy always good to talk to you what's up everybody this is Stephen a smith when i'm not at my day job first tape you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen a smith show podcast Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up as well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So, Ralph, what did you think about the story with, with Bobby P.? I've always thought that that was maybe the most egregious um, act by any any coach. Uh, although there was always a part of me that understood that he went there to coach Mike Vick and Mike Vick wasn't available. Right. And so he went into a situation where he's like, this isn't what I thought it would be. And then wrestled with that whole thing. And then, you know, he was out. Uh I don't care who these coaches are as people. My, my hope is for them to be true to their word and to be decent and to be uh, people who are uh, able to mold these young people into the men that they need to be. Um, that's my hope. But my understanding is that most coaches are head coaches because I'm not sure they'd be able to do any other job. Like they are, it is a profession that attracts sociopaths. It is a profession that, that, um, uh, attracts people who idolize competition, um, above all else. And, uh, it is a, it's a profession at which that you, you do whatever it takes to get ahead. And those people often get ahead. The people that, that, that understand that the best, um, but Bobby Petrino has always come off as a, a snake and a weirdo to me to get the inside story that he was saying, like, hey, find out what you need to do to make this team better. Um, <laughs> you know, just to find out, find out Bobby Petrino. Do you realize what exactly kind of arrogance that, it, that it takes? You guys go home and figure out what you can do to make this football team better. And then yeah. it's like, and I, I'm out, homie. Yeah, and I will say that uh, I, I I love the way that Joey Harrington told that story. I, I, just, Joey Harrington's just the best, and I'm, it's got to be pretty wild for you to be having this conversation with him after having played with him and everything like that. Like, that wasn't lost on me. That's pretty fun. But, you know, when Joey Harrington said that, you know, when that whole motorcycle accident thing happened with his mistress who worked at the school on the back of the motorcycle and he had to give that press conference and a neck brace – that Joey Harrington said, like, he wasn't exactly like, he doesn't wish ill on anybody, but he wasn't crying that day. That made me realize Joey Harrington's a better person than me because when I think about Bobby Petrino bouncing his face off the asphalt in the middle of cheating on his family, the way that he cheated on every school that he ever coached at, you would have funny. You would have spiked the football on him? Uh, the, I, the ground already did it. <laughs> like I, I don't it, it's like he, there are not very many um there are not very many times in life where let's first of all karma is not real good people don't get the best bad people don't get the worst sometimes every once in a while like the with the frequency of a solar eclipse it works out that no, see, bad people get no, 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 no. See, I believe bad people do do get their consequences, but their consequences don't show up in the way all the time that that we think that they should. Where like they may end up with the house, the car, the money, but then they'll they'll end up alone, bad relationships with their kids, like stuff that actually really, yeah. really would would hurt that person. That's what they won't have. None of your assistants coming with you to coach yeah. in Baton Rouge. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But every once in a great while, you got your mistress on your motorcycle <laughs> and you bounce your face off the pavement and you have to give a press conference looking like a burn victim. 
And that's going to be the photo that everybody tweets when you die. <laughs> yep. Hey. Like that's who Bobby Petrino and people keep giving him opportunities. And that was one Bro, of the things I, I wanted to say. I would not send my like, kid to play for Bobby Petrino. I wouldn't work for Bob, Bobby Petrino. Nothing, bro. There's but not people a, did. Well, they, a lot of people make a lot of bad decisions. And a bad man doesn't build himself. A bad man, a bad man with the power to to uh, hurt other people and throw them off track does not build himself. Sure, you got like Green River Killer out here, like hiding and, and, and killing prostitutes and doing all that stuff by his lonesome. But we're talking about like within the business world, like if you get got by somebody who already showed over and over and over again, who they are because you went to work for them or because you employed them, like how dumb was Arkansas for bringing him on in the first place? How dumb was Louisville for doing the, the same? Yes. The, if, so if he'll I, leave his team in the middle of a NFL season, like he, like he did, why would you want him? But, but right. But I'm not saying Brian Kelly and Bobby Petrino are the same person. What I am saying is if you look at Brian Kelly's contract, I don't think any of this matters. The man won the lottery. He gets 90% payout for being fired with cause. What? Yes. Oh man, if you don't 90 he gets he gets 90% of his contract if he like uh like commits double homicide or something Dude, on campus. Like he, it, if he gets and, fired and he for, gets 100% if he's fired after winning a national championship. Right. So he I mean what would you do? What would you do if somebody's like, hey, here's $100 million and we don't care what you do? If I'm B Bobby Petrino, I'd take it. <laughs> or if I'm uh, Brian Kelly, I'd take it. It depends on where, where I want to be. Um, but now on to the next thing. Steph Curry, the hate has to stop, Ralph. People were talking crazy about Steph because he shot poorly in that Phoenix Suns game. And I'm like, there has not been a player since Shaquille O'Neal. And prior to Shaquille, we're talking like Wilt Chamberlain and, and Bill Russell, who has changed the game, the rules of the game, the way the game is officiated the, uh, at so many levels. Steph Curry has changed the NBA in more ways than Michael Jordan has. He has changed the game at the elementary school level, middle school, high school, college, and pros with the with the way guys shoot, the efficiency that they shoot at. They cross half court. They are dangerous. You can double team them. It doesn't matter. Like he's literally changed the, the analytics of basketball. And he was playing at an MVP pace for 20 games. And then you have people and then he has a bad shooting night and everybody. Oh, my God. Look at Steph. He stinks. And I'm like, we have to stop with the Steph Curry hate. Like, I, I, I don't understand it, Ralph. He's a good dude. Family man shows up, works hard, plays with passion. What more can you want from a dude? And it's not like he he wasn't born on third base athletically. He's six two. He doesn't have big muscles. He can't. He's not Kevin Durant. He's not LeBron James. He's not Zion Williamson. This dude is a regular guy with a mastery for shooting the basketball. What is there to hate? So what are we what are we saying here that? Uh, that because Steph Kearney had a bad shooting night, which you and I talked about on Monday, and you were, you were pretty sure he was going off regardless. And what did I say? I was like, what if they put McHale on him? Dude, McHale Bridges. On, on, what if they put Friday, McHale Bridges on him? he's going to torch McHale. He might. He absolutely might because things sort of regress and progress to the mean. And the average Steph Curry performance is him going out there and dropping 30. But like, let's be honest when some when an entire team game plans to stop you sometimes it works, works yes sometimes it works yes and when, and when one of one of those teams has a guy that has noodles for arms so much so that his nickname is noodles and when it, it wasn't just steph curry mikhail yes, bridges was, a total was making team everyone's yeah. life hell correct he's a and really so, good defender but, 
But but it's like when 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 people started calling Ruby Ruben Patterson, oh he's the Kobe stopper. Like bro, he had a good good night, but you give Kobe ten uh, seven cracks at him in a series, five of them he's busting his ass. What do you think of this? Just like people making Michael Jordan into this legend that like never made any mistakes. Because I saw some of that too. Like, well, Michael never would have had an off shooting night, really. Michael, Michael Jordan. Like, here's the thing. I'm a huge Michael Jordan fan. Was a Bulls fan. Every like, like I used to dream. Like sometimes I dream that he is me. That I'd be singing that in my dreams. But we got to keep it one hundo. That as perfect as Michael Jordan was, he was imperfect. He had bad shooting nights. Some days Scotty had to bail him out. Some days Ku Coach had to bail him out. Sometimes they needed Bill Whittington or Bill Cartwright to make shots. They needed a, a rebound putback from Rodman. I it, this idea though that Michael Jordan never came up small in big moments is asinine. It's 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 like Kobe. People people like oh Kobe didn't come. He wasn't as clutch as as you really think. Well, apparently he is because every player in the NBA when they would vote on the most who they wanted to take the last shot, they all said Kobe. So like the it's it, it, it's like people make arguments for ghosts, and they and they don't even make sense. Like wh- what was the best Bulls team? It was a 72 and 10 one, right? Yes, correct. All right. And they, I mean, they, they did win 69 games, I think, like the next year. Yeah. But the 72, the 72 and 10 Bulls team, most people agree, is the best team of all time. Yeah. Uh, they went to the finals and they played who? The Utah Jazz. Wait, no, that was after. No, 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 no. That was, that was, that was, that, that was after they played. Wait, was that the Supersonics? That was the Seattle Supersonics. Yep. Yeah, with Sean Kemp, Gary and, Payton, and who and who who were the two guys that were tasked with guarding Michael Jordan? Two guys who were renowned for their defense. Uh, Gary Payton and McMillan, right? Yep, Gary Payton and Nate McMillan. Here is how Michael Jordan did on the greatest team ever assembled in the NBA Finals. Okay, he in game in game four, he shot six for 19, 31 percent. He missed both of his three pointers in game five. He was 0 for four from three in game six, in which they closed the Sonics out. Must have been a big time Michael performance, right? Five for 19, 26 percent from the field. He got to the free throw line a bunch, but like. Michael Jordan had plenty of off nights. He had six times during that 72 and 10 run where he shot under 40%, but his team stepped up to help him. Yep. Like he, he was, he is by far to me, the greatest, especially in clutch moments of, of all time. But there were clutch moments when he didn't show up. We just didn't have the mechanism to dissect every single game. There is more content that gets produced on a daily basis every single day in the last 10 years than in the 2000 years before that. So anybody can say anything. So if you're out here and you're taking a dump on Steph Curry because he had an off shooting night against a guy who is up for defensive player of the year, right alongside Draymond green, that is insane. That just means that's the only game you've watched this year so far. Yep. That's all it means. Dude, the, it means you're basing you. You could just pull up his stats. <laughs> Dude, he's he's uh, he's having one of the best seasons of his career again. More efficient. He's on pace to break his all time three pointers made in a season with like 420 when he's also made 405. Dude, like we. We have to appreciate the great things that we have when we have them and not try to tear them down because there's never going to be another Steph, never going to be another Kobe, never going to be another Michael, never going to be another LeBron, never going to be another Shaq. You will get other great players, 
But as soon as they gone, they're, they're going to be like, oh, my God, I miss Steph. I miss Kobe. I miss that. Players don't have that mama mentality. Man, people were ready to run Michael Jordan out of the league. They were ready to. Kobe just quit. He's done. He doesn't have it anymore. Man, you got to appreciate what you have while it's standing in your face. Right. Do you remember when, like, the most threes made in a game was, like, nine or ten, and it was that way for 20-some years? Yes. Dude, Steph Steph has made, I think, nine three-pointers this year, like, six or seven times already. He did it four times in two weeks. Yeah. He went nine for 19 from three against Atlanta on November 8th. He went to Chicago, went nine for 17 from three, and then in back-to-back games at Brooklyn and at Cleveland, he went nine for 14 and nine for 16. Like, he's he's shooting 41% from three. And he's taking, like, like, like that, that, that wouldn't be like a, an iPod. Well, first thing is, in the NBA, if you shoot over 40% from three, you're a really good three-point shooter. That's the first yes. thing. But the second thing is, and that's what guys taking like three, four a game. Dude, he averages like more than double-digit three-pointers a game taken. That's insane. Right. Like, people consider a top five shooter of all time to be Larry Bird. Steph Curry has more threes this year so far than I'm pretty sure Larry Bird ever had in a season. So it's not, it's just not, he, I don't know. I don't understand the slander. There are limitations and the Suns exposed some of his limitations. They'll switch off to make sure that he doesn't have to guard a guy like Chris Paul. They'll immediately make sure that they get the ball to whoever Steph Curry is guarding because yeah. he does have limitations on the court physically he has these limitations but at the same time i just I, like why well, I, I don't understand questioning the greatness of somebody who has three titles and to say that he needs a finals mvp in order for you to consider him i i just don't i don't understand we would never we don't talk about guys who were actually would be in the same breath as Steph Curry, but played in a different era. We don't talk about them this way. And maybe it's because nobody ever tried to make a, they're a top five player argument or whatever, but like Reggie Miller was our Steph Curry in some ways, even though he's taller, you know, obviously a different, um, a a different physical specimen. Right. But that's, that's who it was. That was the guy that was uh, the danger of hitting a corner three at a clutch moment. And he was the shooter, right? And he was the guy you never wanted to see at the free throw line. Yep. And he, he was a, a multiple time all-star and a threat every single year to come out of the East. I've never, ever, ever heard anybody say, yeah, Reggie wasn't as good as you remember. <laughs> never. Right. Bro, you are 100% right. And so we, we have to be the arbiters of to stop the Steph Curry <laughs> hate. Uh, but y- y- you guys, we will not allow this hate. And we will allow, of course, Reister or Wrong to continue. We'll be back Friday. I'm George Reister. He's Ralph Amsden. Peace out. Catch you later. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. 
Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.